0: Hello, this is Dr. Ed Hill, host of This Week in the Word, where we grow in our knowledge of the Word of God and our walk with Christ. You've joined us in a series entitled Future Trends, where we're looking at Bible prophecy, what God's Word has to say about future events. This, I believe, is the third episode in Future Trends, and we welcome you here today. My prayer is that if you are already a believer in Christ, that you will be strengthened in your understanding of a subject called the rapture of the church. I believe based on scripture that it's the next event on God's prophetic calendar, the rapture of the church. My prayer for you, if you are not yet a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, is that as you begin to see what is prophesied in the Bible, and you look around at the flow of world events, you will realize that we are absolutely living in very significant times, and it's high time that you come to know Christ personally as your own Savior and Lord. That's my prayer for you. So let's get right to it. What is the next event on God's prophetic calendar, that would be the event we call the rapture of the church. Now, in the 1970s, uh, late 60s and 70s, a great uh, evangelistic event occurred in America and around the world. It was called the Jesus People Movement. I was thinking the other day about when I came to Christ, and I Place my trust in Christ as my Savior and Lord in June 1973. I, I remember very clearly giving my life to Christ, and I've not obviously been perfect since then. Nobody is when they get saved, but I've been saved. I'm changed, I'm a different person. My whole life took a new and better direction when I trusted Christ. So I was thinking about that and I realized, even though I was not a hippie or anything like that, I realized that I was actually one of those saved during the Jesus People Movement. That is pretty cool, let me tell you. Well, right right at the time that I got saved, someone gave me a New Testament and I read the New Testament from cover to cover in about three weeks, I I didn't just read it, I devoured the New Testament like a newborn baby drinks milk. And I remember very clearly in reading in the New Testament in those early days of being a new Christian, how clearly the return of Christ is predicted in the New Testament. I mean, it is one of the major themes of the New Testament. One of the greatest books written during that time period was a book by a Bible teacher named Hal Lindsey. He still teaches today, in fact. And the name of that book, you probably heard of it, was The Late Great Planet Earth. And it put in popular form what the Bible teaches about future events. There was in the 1970s and i believe even into the 80s a real atmosphere of expectancy about the return of Christ it was preached on constantly christians had questions about what verses relating to the rapture and the second coming of christ and the antichrist and the end of the age and all of that the millennial kingdom Christians wanted to know the answers on those very important topics. However, something happened on the way to where we are today. That atmosphere of expectancy is largely absent in the church. Now, people who would say they're sincere believers in Christ Many of them are not even looking for the return of Christ in the second coming, much less the rapture of the church. The topics of future Bible prophecy, like the rapture, the second coming, the tribulation period, and all that goes with that, are, are not even being believed today. They're not considered to be relevant, they're considered to be ununderstandable preachers, especially young preachers, are not preaching and teaching on this significant vital theme that is in the very, very uh, fabric of the New Testament. So a question should occur to you today if you are a believer in Christ, and the question might be this, Should we even be looking today for the return of Christ? Well, I have my opinion. That's not worth a lot, but let's go to the Bible and let's see what the Bible has to say about that. In Acts, now what I'm about to read is is occurring and being said after the crucifixion, death, and burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. So at this point, he's literally about to ascend physically into heaven. I mean, you could, you could even say, Pastor Ed, what would the rapture be like? I think it's going to be like this, what, what we're about to read. I mean, it literally actually happened right here. But I want you to see what was said about future things here. Let's look in Acts chapter 1. So if you're kind of new in the Bible, find Matthew, Mark, Luke, and the Gospel of John. Right after that is the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles. So in Acts 1, I'm just going to read all of this. I want you to see what it says. The former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up, after that he through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which, saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost, not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power but ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Now, this is what I want you to see. Verse nine. And when he has spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. Wow. So right here, if you want to think of it this way, the the mechanics of a physical, literal rapture are occurring right here when the Lord ascends back to heaven. But also the angel said that he was going to return In the same way. So, should we be looking for the return of Christ? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. If you're a professing Christian and you're not looking for the return of Christ, you're going to have one messed up Christian life. And I'll explain why as we go forward in this episode. I want to give you another example. If you were to read, the two letters to the Thessalonian church, 1st Thessalonians and 2nd Thessalonians, these letters were written by the Apostle Paul and they are among two of the earliest letters to churches that we have in the Bible. So these were brand new believers in Christ And Paul had gone there and started the church. They had come to Christ under his ministry. He left them to take the message elsewhere. But he writes two letters back to them about living the Christian life correctly and keeping a watch out for the return of Christ. In the Thessalonian letters, in 1 Thessalonians, there's five chapters. 2 Thessalonians is three chapters. I'm not really good at math, but five plus three equals eight. In every single one of those eight chapters to a brand new church full of young believers, the Holy Spirit inspired the Apostle Paul to mention the return of Christ in every single chapter. Should we today be looking for the return of Christ? Absolutely, you bet. Now, the problem is this. The church has gotten so far away from the Word of God that the professing Christians do not even know what it is they profess to believe. The average Christian in the average church Let's just, I'm going to assume they're saved, all right? Although I have a lot of doubts about how many people who profess Christ actually know him. But anyway, let's just say they're saved. It is a fact that most Christians, at least in America, let's put it that way, do not hardly ever read their Bible. The most Bible they come into contact with is when they occasionally go to church and hear a message from Scripture. For most believers, that's pretty much the extent of the Bible they get. Unfortunately, sadly, I think sinfully, professing Christians are not immersing themselves in the Word of God. Therefore, they do not even know what the Bible teaches about hardly anything. They're completely dependent on someone else to tell them what the Bible says. Now, I don't want you to, if you're tuning in today, say, well, I feel like you're getting on to me because that's why I'm listening to you. I want to know what the Bible says. I commend that because you're making an effort, if you see what I'm saying, You're making an effort. And I I want you to go after we're done with this podcast. I'm giving you homework. All good teachers do, by the way. Here's my homework assignment for you. I want you to go, and I want you personally, for yourself, to read all eight chapters. Hey, here's the good news. They're short. Read all eight chapters in 1 Thessalonians and 2 Thessalonians, And you will see for yourself that this very young new church, I mean, it was really young, that one of the most important things God had them be told by the Apostle Paul in those letters was, hey, live the right kind of Christian life. You know, don't quit your jobs. Do a good job. Honest day's labor for honest day's work. You know, that kind of theme treat each other right, live for the Lord right, and be looking for the return of Christ. Should we be looking today? Absolutely, we should be. Well, Pastor Ed, what are the signs? Now, here's where I'm going to mess you up really bad, because I've been talking about future trends, right? signs of where we're going prophetically and biblically. And I think that when we see the the miraculous rebirth of Israel, there's never, ever been ever in the history, 10,000 years of recorded human history, there's never, ever been any other nation which was obliterated like Israel was and, and dispersed all over the world. And so their nation died, so to speak. I mean, it did. And it was reborn almost 2,000 years after the fact. That ain't never happened. That's, only God could do that. And Israel was reborn again on May 14th, 1948. I mean, there's, uh, you're looking for a sign. Here's your sign, Israel. Now you might not understand that yet, but if you study it, It's going to register with you at some point. So there's a huge sign. But my answer to you, if you said, well, okay, I get that. But is there a sign that's going to tell me that, hey, probably next Tuesday, Christ is returning to take the church home to heaven? Uh, There's none. There's no sign of that. We see the flow of the age. But there's no warning signal to say, hey, rapture of the church is imminent. You better get your act together so you can be raptured with the church. There's no sign like that. There's no signal, no warning. I believe, and by the way, if you say, well, how do I know I should listen to you? I'm not bragging, I'm just telling you this is what I've done and you know, if if you've actually done it, it ain't bragging, right? Okay, so anyway. I've read the Bible, I was trying to figure this out a while back, I'm pretty sure I've read the Bible from cover to cover about 40 times. Have you? I've read parts of the Bible hundreds of times, no doubt. That's where I got my theology from. I didn't get it because somebody handed me a book and said, hey, believe this, I just read the Bible. It's right there. The Holy Spirit will teach you. Now, um, I've also read, additionally, all are part of, I don't know, 40 or 50 books dealing specifically with Bible prophecy, the rapture, the second coming of Christ, the tribulation, all of that. And what I'm saying is, I, these are not just wacky ideas. I've, I've put in the, the uh, metaphorical 10,000 hours to make myself an expert in this. And I, and I don't mean that the wrong way. I'm just saying, I know what I'm talking about because I've read the Bible and it says what it says. But here's what I want you to fasten your heart and mind on right now. If you're saying, well, well you know, I, I'm just hoping there'll be a, a signal that the, the Lord's about to come back in the rapture and take us home and then I'm really going to get serious for Jesus. Bad plan. Really bad plan. All through the Gospels, Christ talks in his parables about, you know, a guy owns all this property and he leaves and he gives it to his stewards, his managers, says, hey, manage this till I come back. And don't come back and let me catch you sleeping. You better be watching. I mean, that's all over the Gospels and the stories that Christ told. So uh, do not, follow that kind of thinking that you know you're going to live like you want and then you know at the last minute there's going to be some signal and you're going to get your act together that's that's just stupid i don't mean that in a mean way that's just a dumb way to think if you're really saved and you're really serious about christ you love him as your savior and lord you are going to want to be on on track on target many years ago when i was a pastor a this actually happened there were some twin boys that began to attend the church where i pastored they came to a program that we had called awana clubs and they gave their lives to christ and they tried to reach their parents Well, those boys were, I don't know, maybe nine or ten, something like that. And they were twins, I believe. Or if not twins, they were, I think they were twins. But if not, they were brothers very close in age. They looked a lot alike for sure. And they would sit on the front row every Sunday and, and listen to me preach. I mean, it blew my mind. They were taken on a fishing trip on the river big river in that area that had a dam and um, I don't know if anybody knows exactly everything that happened but this is what was pieced together that dam had gates in it obviously and at certain times of the day those floodgates would be open so the river that was being backed up into the backwaters could you know flow on down to the Gulf of Mexico well the gates had alarms on them, and when the alarms were going to open, like in, uh, I forget the time, amount of time, but it was something like five minutes or ten minutes, those alarms were, would sound, and if you were anywhere near the dam, you needed to get out of there, off of that river or way down river, because it could kill you. Well, apparently, they were fishing in a boat with some adults, and I'm not blaming or criticizing anyone, but this happened and the alarms went off and they could not get out of the area fast enough and the floodgates were opened and I'm just doing this from memory. I know that the boys were drowned and I believe the adults were too, but, but the boys died. But I know that they died trusting Christ. But the rapture is not going to have that floodgate alarm so you can get your act together. Is this going to happen? There's not going to be a signal or sign that the rapture is about to occur. I've heard the phrase used many times in criticizing the rapture of the church, which is is clearly taught in the New Testament, saying, well, there's some some theory of a secret rapture where where Christians are removed from the earth and get to live in heaven forever. Now, you might be able to show me where this phrase exists, and, and I might be wrong, but I don't think so. The Bible doesn't refer to the rapture as some kind of secret rapture. Now, in 1 Corinthians 15, we do see that in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, you know, it will happen, right? You can read First Corinthians 15, I believe it's uh, verses 51 to 58, I believe. Right in there. You can read all about it right there. But it's not secret. It's sudden, but it's not secret. In fact, I believe that it will be one of the most cataclysmic events ever to occur in human history. And for all of you, God-haters and Christian-haters out there, I love you. But for all of you who want us gone, you're going to get your wish. In an instant, in a moment of indivisible time, the Bible says, I'm not talking about everybody who's a church member now, but those who truly are trusting Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord are going to be raptured out of this world, carried away by Christ to the wedding supper of the lamb to our rewards in heaven and then 7 years later at the end of the tribulation we return with him in the second coming when he comes to rule the earth but it's not secret it will be sudden i think uh you know liberals, progressives, atheists, governments, I I mean, I've just tried to imagine what in the world is going to be said to explain this, and I've heard various theories that, well, you know, people who are real uh, uh, earth-oriented and all of that, you know, that, well, the earth cleansed itself of these people who are global warming deniers and all this stuff. And, and so the earth got rid of them. Uh, other people may say, hey, UFOs did it. Uh, other people may say, well, you know, those pesky Russians or Chinese vaporized all these people. But the, the common identity of everybody who will be gone, regardless of their occupation or where they live around the world or their age or anything like that, is going to be that, well, you know, come to think of it, all of these people did have one thing in common. They all said they trusted Christ as Savior and Lord. Wow. It'll be, it won't be. It will be secret, but it will be sudden. Now, once that happens, then the events of the tribulation period, and especially the last three and a half years, the great tribulation, begin to unfold in the world. Say, so, well, Ed, how's this going to actually happen physically? Well, I think what, how we saw Christ taken back up into heaven, I mean, we're not given a lot of details, but that's how it's going to happen. But it'll be instantaneous. One minute you'll be here, the next minute you'll be with Christ, and we'll be with him forever that way. I'm excited about that. Now, Ed, is this really scriptural? Well, that's a, that's a very fair question, and I, I'm so glad you think like that. Let's find out. And I'm typing this in my Bible gateway. Maybe you're doing the same thing. First Thessalonians chapter 4, uh, 13 through 18. What does that passage say? So let's see if I can back up uh, this whole deal about the rapture of the church. Well, here it is. Paul writes here, but I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. That is, they were, they were worried about the Christians who had already passed away, but Christ had not come yet. And to a believer, it's like going to sleep and the Lord just wakes us up, right? No big deal to God. So they were worried about that, and he says, I, 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 But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. Amen. Amen. My mom and dad have already gone to heaven. I'm looking forward to seeing them again in the rapture of the church. Their bodies, which are both buried at Fort Benning, Georgia, will be raised. In fact, deceased believers whose bodies have died, but they're with the Lord already, but their bodies will be raised first. And we're going to see this in a minute. And then uh, this is all very quick, by the way but then we who are alive are going to be raptured as well. So, verse 15. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord. That's Jesus, right? For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent, or that means go before, shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. See, it's told you it's not a secret. With a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. This is the classic passage on the rapture of the church. It's clear cut, it's gonna happen. If you're in a church which the, the pastors never teach about this, your Bible study leaders never touch on this, you need to ask them, why not? And if they won't, there are still plenty of churches out there where the preachers and Bible teachers know about this, they're serious about this, and they will be very happy to help you get grounded in this truth. So there is coming an event. I believe it's the next event on God's prophetic calendar. There will be nothing else that happens has to happen before that event. There will be no signal that it's about to happen. It will not be secret, but it will absolutely be sudden, and it's scriptural. Even if you don't know about it, that doesn't change the fact that it's right here in the Bible that perhaps you need to read more. Does that make sense? I'm not being mean. I'm just, I'm just saying. All right, let's go to 1 Thessalonians 5, the very next chapter. 1 Thessalonians 5, we're going to read in verses 1 through 9. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly otherwise he he'd already taught them this as young believers as a brand new church let that register with you for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the lord so cometh as a thief in the night um you know occasionally crime happens shocker i know I have yet to see, there could be a thief this time, but <laughs> I bet most thieves aren't. I've yet to see where a thief sends an engraved invitation or an email or a, a voicemail left on their home phone machine, if you still even have one of those, that says, uh, uh, Hi, this is uh, you know Bobby, the neighborhood thief, and um, I'm just letting you know that I've got you down for... Uh, Thursday night at 10 30 I'm going to be taking everything you own I'll see you then or I hope I don't see you then because I hope you're gone <laughs> that doesn't happen a thief comes secretly quickly unannounced for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night for when they now notice this is not what believers say it's what people other than believers say. For when they shall say peace and safety, that is the world is either declaring that finally we have peace and safety or uh, they're longing for that. It doesn't really matter, whichever it is. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. Now he's talking there about after the rapture of the church, that's a great thing for believers in Christ. It is a terrible thing for those who are not believers in Christ because now sudden destruction is coming and there's no way out to, to get out of that. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober or serious. That doesn't mean that we're not ever to to go to bed and go to sleep. He's talking figuratively here. The world is asleep at the switch about all of this. We're not to be. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for in an Helmet, the hope of salvation. Watch this in verse 9. Now, I want you to think about something a minute. The tribulation period is referred to elsewhere later in the Bible as the, as the wrath of God, Okay? It's the wrath of God poured out on a Christ-rejecting world. Even though in that time many will come to Christ, it's still that the church has been removed because it's the bride of Christ. And yes, people will be saved during the tribulation period, but the, the, the wrath of God is poured out on a world that has rejected Christ a world system, and the people in it. Now watch this, verse 9. For God hath not appointed us. There's that they, us trade-off. You see that? For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, that is, if, if, if we're still living or we've passed away before the Lord returns, we should live together with him. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another even as also ye do. Wow, did you know these verses were in the Bible? Did you know that when people make fun of the rapture of the church and the return of Christ, they're wrong? Did you know that they're making fun of what the Bible says, what God wrote down through his apostles? Did you know that? Has it occurred to you that we're living in an age where the rapture of the church could come at any time? Let's go to one more passage. We're going to 2 Thessalonians We're um, trying to go to 2 Thessalonians. See if it'll go there. Not uh s- sorry here. I I'm just not getting it to switch over here. But in 2 Thessalonians we see some of these same themes played out again. Let me just see if I can do this uh, manually. Maybe you're... (laughs) I'm so sorry. Um, Ah, this is slowing me up here. All right, so while it gets there, let let me go back to some things that I want to stress to you. Here's the deal. For believers, if you're a believer in Christ, for believers, this world is as bad as it gets. And everything for us is going to be better and better and better when we leave this life, whether we pass away first before the Lord returns or whether we are among those who are actually alive at the return of Christ. So either way, Um, you know, if you're a believer, no matter how bad life might get for you here, and I know that there are many believers around the world who are are suffering for their faith, maybe you personally are going through something that just, you just don't know how you're going to make it. I want you to hang in there and lean into Jesus, because no matter how bad it gets for you as a believer down here, this is as bad as it will ever get for you. And when you leave here one way or the other, things are going to be better and better and better for eternity. I, I, I mean, that's just amazing. Now, here's the bad news. The flip side of that. If you're not a believer in Jesus, and maybe you're one of those that says, and I don't want to be, I don't believe in him, I don't believe there's a God, I hate you Christians, all that. Okay, that's fair. Free country, free world, right? But if you're an unbeliever, this world is as good as it will ever get. And it's going to get worse and worse in this life and especially after you leave this life. Because Christ, with tears in his eyes, warned about a place called hell. Not that he sends people to, but they're already on their way to, and he came to rescue them from it. But if you're an unbeliever and you never have time for Christ and you push him away, you know, you're going to go where you're already heading because you've you've pushed away the Savior, the rescuer. And no matter how good it gets here in this life, that's as good as it'll ever get. And after you leave here, it's going to get worse and worse and worse. Wow. And, you know, I'll say this again, because I don't know who's hearing this, You may be an unbeliever. This may be after the rapture of the church has already occurred. And through some astounding miracle, you are hearing this after we're gone. One day, the world is going to finally be rid of the church, the true believers in Christ. Now, there'll still be churches and church members and people going there, but they never belong to the Lord anyway. And I'm talking about real believers in Christ. One day the world will be rid of churches and real Christians. And it's going to be pretty, pretty happy because that's, uh, that's the uh, thrill that leads to the kill. Because man, you just wouldn't believe what's coming on the world after the church is removed. I'm finally at 2 Thessalonians 2, and I want to read especially, well, let's just read, we don't read enough Bible. Let's start at verse 1. 2 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 1. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and by our gathering together unto him, that's the rapture of the church right there, that ye... Be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Now that's the the second coming when Christ comes back to take over and the world is judged. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first. That is an apostasy from the true Christian faith. Except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. He's talking here about what we call, who we call the Antichrist, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshiped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things? And now ye know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. Now he's talking here about the Holy Spirit holds all of this back until it's the right time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth, and that word let means prevent, only he who now letteth will let, or he who now prevents will prevent, until he be taken out of the way. So in other words, when when the true believers in Christ all over the world are removed from this world system, there are going to be no more Christians at that, at that moment on police forces, in the army, in government, in schools, in your neighborhood, on your sports team, where you work. There's not going to be any more Christians at that point. And it is through Christians, through the church, that is how the Lord the Holy Spirit working through the church. That is how evil is held down. We say, Brother Ed, it's pretty evil right now. Yeah, but there's nothing like it's going to be when there's when the Lord is not holding that tide of evil back. You're only seeing a percentage of what is possible. And that's scary. Verse 8, And then that wicked, he's talking about the Antichrist, be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming, even him whose working is after the working of Satan, with all power and signs and lying wonders, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. In the Greek text is that they should believe the lie. That is, that this world leader is actually God that they all might be damned or, or condemned, that they all might be damned who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief, of the truth whereunto he called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ men i'll tell you if i was a bel- not a believer today and i heard this read i would want to come to know christ because as, as we'll see in future episodes where we're going to look at the Antichrist and the tribulation and all of that, all, all things in its time, right? I mean, very, very hard times are coming on this world. Jesus said about the great tribulation, the last half of the tribulation, 42 months, three and a half years, as Daniel talked about in the book of Daniel in the Old Testament in, in chapter 9. Jesus said about the great tribulation period, that last half, that it's the worst time of suffering that ever has been on the earth or ever would be on the earth ever again. Unparalleled horror. Man. Well, if you're a believer, what what are you supposed to do? Quit your job and sit on a rooftop and look for the Lord? Absolutely not. And if you read First and 2 Thessalonians, basically you'll come out of it with this message. You're to do your job. You're to live the right kind of life and keep looking up. Keep looking for Jesus. Live against the flow of this world. Listen, if, and I'm going to be very blunt here. If you know more about Marvel Comics, Star Wars, um. Uh, Uh, Game of Thrones, NBA, NFL, NCAA, MSNBC, CNN, and FNC. If you know more about all of that than you do about what we're talking about today, you are not living in the light of the rapture of the church. You need to get your act together. You need to become a full, real, serious, clued-in Christian waiting for the return of Christ that the Lord can use to bring others to him before it's too late. Now, doesn't mean we don't have jobs and families and we don't enjoy the life the Lord has blessed us with. We, of course, we do all of that, but we are not consumed by our houses and our cars and our money in the bank and politics and entertainment. I'm a I mean, listen, I'm aware of all of that because I just said it to you, but it doesn't control me or consume me. Christ is my life and death is my gain. And when I'm of no more use to Christ in this life, I'm ready today to go to heaven. If it was my day and the heaven bus rolled up, I want to be the first one on the bus. If you can't say that today, you need to do, with the help of the Lord and His Word, His Holy Spirit, some very serious soul-searching about who are you really? Are you even saved? And if you tell me, Pastor Ed, I know I know Jesus. All right, I'm not going to argue with you about that. You need to really get focused on Him being the Lord of your life. Get your act together and start looking for the return of Christ. If you're an unbeliever, man, <laughs> you're lucky you have lived this long. You need to give your life to Christ. Now, how do you do that? You, you recognize, first of all, you don't do it so you can escape hell. I mean, yeah, nobody wants to go to hell, but that's not the reason you get saved. The reason you get saved is you realize that your very existence is an abomination to God because you were born into sin. All of us were. And yet you're realizing that there's nothing you can do to get good enough or right enough or clean enough for God to accept you. And you throw yourself without, um, almost hopelessly, on Christ and what he did on the cross and the fact that he rose again the third day and he is God. You throw yourself upon him for his mercy. And when you're that guy or gal and you do that, Christ will save you. Absolutely, he will save you. And I know in our day and age, there is so much pain out there. I was listening to a, uh, program yesterday as I was riding around, and something just clicked in my, my mind about all of this. All of this, uh, I'm mean, going to be blunt, sexual perversion today, all of the drug use, uh, questions about gender and transgenderism and things that we probably haven't even heard about yet that we'll be hearing about. All of the, you know, the, the drinking, the drugs, the partying, the uh, adultery, the fornication, the, all the stealing, the living for self, hating other people, all, all of this stuff that goes on that makes life so painful down here. Here's what clicked in my brain yesterday. All of this stuff that's going on is people trying to fill that hole in their life that only Jesus Christ can fill. And the pain is real, but the way people are trying to fix that today is not going to work. What we used to teach people is that you're a sinner and you feel bad about yourself, not because of your gender or your mom or dad, or the school you went to, or what your income is. You feel bad about yourself because you're bad. (laughs) Just like me, you were born in sin. Come on, guys and gals. Come to the party, baby. I mean, this is where you stand up and get in the batter's box and you say, Lord, I agree with you. I agree that I'm a hopelessly lost sinner. And, and I am offensive to you, Lord. I need to be saved. I need to be changed. And you know what? When you do that, the need to get hammered every night with drink and drugs and and all the uh, painful psychological and moral confusion going on today with uh, people about sexuality and, and all of that and just, uh, you know, just just flat out wrong living. We all know what that means. You're not living right you know it. And you may be a pretty good person compared to everybody else, but you know in your heart, you think about this when you're alone and things are quiet, that if you die today, where would you go? You don't know. In fact, some of you do. You know, I'm pretty sure I'm going to hell. Hey, change that. Jesus says, whosoever comes to him he will in no wise cast out or turn away. Come to Christ today. I'm not going to give you a formula prayer. If you're going to get really saved, it's going to be from your heart in desperation, crying out to Jesus Christ to save you. And if you do that, He will. If you have questions about how to come to Christ, you are welcome to email me at pastoredhill at gmail.com. I will do my best to to be of service to you in that. If you live anywhere near a Christ-honoring Bible preaching and teaching soul-winning church in your area, I'm not talking about a church that denies everything I've been talking about. They're dead but I mean a real true blue church. You know what I mean. And you know where one is. You need to go there this week and ask someone to lead you to Christ. That's what you need to do. So are you rapture ready? You know, I I can't answer that for you. Only you can answer for yourself as to where you really are. This has been a long episode. It's so important. And that's why we put the time in it that we have. Because I believe the rapture of the church is the next event on God's calendar. And there will be no signal, no warning that it's about to happen. Thank you for listening today. As always, remind your friends, family, neighbors, co-workers to listen. It's free at www. Dr. dredhill.podbean.com and remember that DR has no period after it. Just D-R-E-D-H-I-L-L dot podbean.com I'm also available for Bible conferences, for revivals, and just to preach the Word of God. If you'd like to have me do so in your area, reach out to me at Pastor Ed Hill at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you on the next episode of Future Trends on This Week in the Word. God bless.